Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, October 5th, 2023. I am Graham Giusin Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. Very special show on tap for you fine folks here today. Talking Wrestle Dream from last Sunday. Our thoughts on that pay-per-view marking the AEW debut of the former Edge, Adam Copeland. In the company, we're going to be talking all about that. Thoughts on NXT No Mercy from last Saturday. Thoughts on NXT and Dynamite going head-to-head for the first time in a while next Tuesday. Big night next Tuesday to talk about next week here on the show, of course. Predictions for Fastlane this weekend and so much more. Dynamite having their four-year anniversary last night, but today marking 10 years of Wrestle Rant Radio. Specifically, coming up on Sunday, we have an all-new logo, new branding for Wrestle Rant in uh, collaboration and celebration of the grand milestone anniversary. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? And are you feeling the anniversary celebration here today? I am, but I'm not. Like I am because it's a great, like great milestone. But then it makes me feel old. So it's like it's like like, honestly a lukewarm feeling. I'm not gonna lie. I think the equivalent would be. uh, I'm trying to think of like who's been with AEW had their anniversary show of their own last night. We're having our own anniversary show here today. I'm trying to think what the equivalent would be for you because fun fact you were not with me at the very 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 beginning but you were there only mere months removed so maybe like Darby Allen I don't know if he was there on day one but he was there like soon after so you're probably closer to that range aside from that brief stretch where you weren't on for a month but we don't we don't like to talk about that dark beer I like to think that never existed oh I like bringing it up every other month so <laughs> I I'll never forget don't don't you ever forget that buddy I'll I, I can't I think it's etched in my mind forever I've cursed myself with that one that was a uh, that was a botch in my part. But listen, we're back on track here. Mr. Marceau helping me celebrate 10 years of uh, WrestleRant Radio here today. Been an amazing journey, and we're coming full circle talking about uh, more wrestling here today. You know what the funny thing is? Looking back real quickly in the early days of the show, when I was doing it by myself, even when we were talking about it, when, when you had joined a couple months later, we were on the road to WrestleMania 30. Also exciting times with the streak ending and Daniel Bryan becoming champion, all this other sort of stuff. When I first started doing this show 10 years ago, not to the day exactly, that would be October 8th, uh, but we are nearing that anniversary. 10 years ago, I was talking about Mr. Marcel. First of all, it's awful, so don't go back and listen to it. But if you do go back and listen to that first episode, I was reviewing Battleground 2013, one of the worst pay-per-views I think I've ever seen, up there with Survivor Series 2013. It's just funny to think about, like, even when we were doing the show together back then, 2014, 2015 even. Uh, at that point, we were doing it on Tuesdays, flashback, but you know now it's Thursdays and whatnot. But we were reviewing Raw when it was the fucking doldrums. Like, it was awful. Like, 2013, dude, 2014 at points was terrible. Even 2015, we're talking about Roman Reigns versus Sheamus every week. Like, we're pretty... 
we're pretty lucky to be in the spot that we are in now to be talking about all these different promotions and have so much going on from week to week. No, yeah, it's just, it's crazy, the 10 years. Like I said, I feel like 2013, 2014, it's like prime authority, which was just awful on WWE TV. It was just like, like you said, Roman Reigns or Sheamus or him versus the League of Nations, like every other show. It was just, looking back at it now, we think it, 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 it looks, I think it even aged even worse than it, it, it seems. Like, that sounds so bad, but it's like over the 10 years, just how much better it's gone. It's crazy. When I first started doing the show, actually, when I first started doing the show, new episodes were only on the website. So, again, that's how far we've come in the last 10 years, and now they're all over the place. You can check out new episodes every single week when they drop. Um, but let's get into the first thing here, Mr. Marceau. I want to talk about some No Mercy first, because we'll, we'll save the AEW stuff for a section of its own in the middle of the show, uh, coming out of this. But uh, No Mercy on Saturday, NXT's latest live special. I think their fourth or fifth of the year. They had the one in February, Stand and Deliver, Battleground, Great American Bash. So that would make this the fifth one. They have about six specials a year now. They're going to be doing Deadline and Bridgeport, that shithole around here. Um, they're going to be headed, which was actually where they were for Wrestle, not WrestleMania, TakeOver 20, 25, I think it was, when we went. Uh, three, four years. Mm, it was either 25 or... Th- it, was one, it was one of the anniversary ones. I know we got Gargano and Cole on that show. I think it was 25. Um, that was a number of years ago, but they're headed back to that arena in a couple of months for the final show of the year deadline. But as far as No Mercy goes, I thought it was a very good show overall, and we won't go, like, match by... I mean, I guess we can't, because there's only six matches. I just want to get your overall thoughts, though, on TakeOver... TakeOver, on uh, No Mercy from last Saturday. I thought it was a solid show, honestly. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's probably the first time in a while I actually watched one of the, uh... NXT specials like live. I usually just I don't know. It's usually like on a weird night, and I usually don't catch it live. But honestly, that was a pretty good show. I liked the matches. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there was really too much to say. I thought it was a solid show. I like Becky and Tiffany. I thought Ilya and Carmella was good as well. So I think the future looks bright. I think the incorporation they've had with like WWE talent or main roster talent with the NXT talent has worked. I mean. I think Butch and Noam Dar, I mean, it was an overbooked nightmare, but I think Dar's done good in that role, and I, I like Butch on NXT. I just really wish they would change his name to fucking Pete Don. Butch is just so bad. But, uh, no, I thought it was a solid show. Trick winning here just to drop it on Tuesday. Um, but I thought they had a good match as well. So I think overall it was a solid show. Um, but I like the incorporation with some main roster people with the NXT guys and girls i think it's a good mix and kind of helps get their footing and put them at a bigger light so i i think people at first were kind of skeptical of it but even if it's more for a ratings draw and stuff like that i think they are helping uh the younger talent i like i even thought corbin and breaker was a good match mm-hmm. uh, and becky's done a lot for the women so i have no complaints on all end yeah no they had a really good match breaker and corbin did the whole show is was really good i thought honestly i thought this one of the was one of the better maybe not the best i'd have to really think about it but one of the better specials they've done under the nxt 2.0 and i mean it's not nxt 2.0 anymore but you know what i mean um since they did the relaunch two years ago got rid of the takeover name it was one of the better ones not only because the undercard was solid but those two main events alone will go down as two of the best matches all year. And it's going to be lost in the conversation, I'm sure, come December, because there's so many great matches between WWE and AEW and other promotions. Um, but still, I thought Becky Lynch and Tiffany absolutely killed it in their Extreme Rules match. And Ilya and Carmelo also had an awesome, awesome, awesome match. 
for the NXT Championship. Uh, I was happy for Trick becoming champion, but then he immediately lost it right back to Dominic. I'm going to be all over the place here with my thoughts, but did you think that was the right call in giving the belt to Trick only to lose it to Dominic on Tuesday night a couple days later? Um, I mean, I think it's going to, I mean, it clearly is playing up Heyman Carmella, so I guess they're like playing the seats for more dissension there. Um, did I think you really needed to win it? No, but I think it also told the story like Carmella's coming off a big loss and Trick got his like big win, so kind of, they're kind of crossing roads there and it's, Maybe that's kind of, seed, like I said, more dissension between the two. So, did I think it was overly necessary? No, but I think the story they told on Tuesday helped kind of further the feud, so it made sense at that point. But I don't think he really needed to win it and then just drop it two days later. I mean, I think it plays into the story. I didn't mind, I didn't like love it, but I didn't mind it because it plays into the story, I thought, of the, what they're trying to tell right now with him and Carmelo. I thought we might see Carmelo cost Trek the championship, but they're really taking their time with that story, and they really want to make that the long-term story in NXT um, that they're going to be building towards, whether it's for a championship or not, whether it be over the NXT title, no title, North American title, whatever it might be. And we said last week I did not think Dominic would lose it because I figured at some point he would lose it to uh, Dragon Lee. But Dragon Lee right now is competing on SmackDown, facing Austin Theory this coming Friday. I mean, I'm not even sure if that's a possibility. Like, do you think he might even completely bypass the rest of his NXT run and head right to the main roster in the near future? Again, I'm all over the place here, but as far as Dragon Lee is concerned. Yeah, I think Dragon Lee, for him specifically, at this point, I think he's just main roster bound. I just, I don't think, he lost two different times, or maybe even another time, I just can't recall. But he's lost multiple times to... Uh, Mysterio, so, I mean, he's going to be on SmackDown here, he was on the show last week, at this point I would say he's just going right to the main roster. And it's funny too, because it seems like he's kind of found his spot already on the main roster with, um, you know, with, with whatever he might be doing. I still think he might be teaming with the LWO this weekend, because he was going to help them out during their segment and their beatdown from Bobby Lashley and the Profits last Friday on the show. And uh, he couldn't. The security held him back. So I'm thinking he's going to be their partner come Saturday, either as a full-on member of the LWL, they're going to just give him one of the shirts, or just as an honorary member. I'd rather see that over friggin', you know, Cruz del Toro, Walking Wild, or whatever. Uh, but it is funny because he might find himself on SmackDown sooner than Roxanne Perez or Braun Breaker. Listen, I think these people should have been on the main roster many months ago, but I think there's also something to be said about not calling them up until there's a plan in place. And we talk about this a lot. There's a lot of people, I think, that were called up after Mania in the draft. I mean, Odyssey Jones, I think, is a joke at this point because we haven't seen him at all. He hasn't even been on main event, so it's not even like, oh, he's they just don't have any plans for him for on TV. He's, I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know what's going on there. But there's a lot of other people they brought up really to do nothing. I think it is wise to probably hold off on some of these people arriving on the main roster until they have a solid plan in place. Would you agree with that? No, I completely agree. I think um, with Dragon Lee specifically, I feel like they're going to put him in the LWO, and I think that's going to help the dissension between Santos and Ray. I feel like Ray's going to kind of, I mean, he's put over Santa, or Dragon Lee so much. I feel like that could, like him, continue to put him over. He puts him in the group. I feel like that could continue breaking the seeds between him and Santos. So I like that. I think it makes sense. For like Roxanne, I like her a lot. I think she'd be great on the main roster. But it's like right now, like what do you do with her? She's not going to like kill Nia Jax and SmackDown. There really isn't anywhere to put her. So I think for her right now, specifically in the same with Breaker, I just don't know exactly where you put them. At least with Dragon Lee, I feel like you could put them right in the LWO storyline and kind of continue the break off between Santos and Ray, which is 
seen a little bit cracks lately. Yeah, coming off that great match that they had actually on SmackDown last Friday. So that's another chapter of that story that they're telling, which is great to see. Um, yeah, Roxanne Perez got booed on Tuesday. Like, what was up with that? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, I don't know if it's a crowd. Just, I, that, I was honestly stunned by that. I don't know. I I like her a lot. I think she's great. I don't, I don't know. I, I honestly, I was pretty surprised. I, 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 I really like her a lot. I think she's got a bright future. I don't know if people just tired of her being in the title picture. I mean, I feel like she's kind of been all over it in NXT, so maybe that's why. But besides that, I really, I mean, I was actually pretty stunned when people booed her. So I, I don't know exactly why, but I was, I was pretty surprised. Yeah, and I hope it's not a thing that they then turn her heel to explain it or roll with it or whatever. I mean, in most situations, I would say, yeah. But, I mean, with her, she's such a natural baby face. Maybe she could make a good heel. She was more, I don't want to say intense or aggressive, but she wasn't her happy-go-lucky self on Tuesday. And she hasn't been for a while because she got more aggressive during the Blair Davenport feud. So that makes sense. Um, But I wouldn't turn her heel just because, you know, people are starting to boo her. I'm not even really sure why people would want to boo her. It's not like she's been shoved down people's throats, at least in my opinion. So, I don't know. I thought that was weird on Tuesday. She's not the number one contender anyway. It's actually Lyra Valkyria. She became the number one contender of the NXT Women's Championship and will challenge Becky Lynch for the title on night one of Halloween Havoc, which will be spread across two weeks this year on October 24th and the second night happening on Halloween itself on October 31st. Uh, Becky obviously retaining, as we mentioned, against Tiffany on this show. Do you think Lyra could be the one to take the title from Becky come that Halloween Havoc show in a few weeks? I think it's possible. Um, I don't think it's totally necessary. I think it would be nice, like, the whole Irish connection, kind of give her a rub, and then Becky goes back to the main roster, I assume. I don't know, I feel like someone that hasn't even been on TV, I feel like Cora Jade should be the one to beat Becky. I mean, she wasn't on NXT this week. They had everyone and their brother on the show this week, and she wasn't even on it. I feel like she's, I don't, to my knowledge, she's not hurt or anything. So, um, I think she should be the one to beat Becky, but at this time, I, I don't know who else would beat her, honestly. Yeah, no, Cora Jade would be a great fit. If it wasn't Lyra, I feel like it might be a bit too soon in Becky's run to having her to have her lose it. She's paid dividends in NXT so far as far as the ratings go, and I would hope it does... Um, you know, stick long term. That was that's kind of the question. Like they have all the main roster stars on NXT right now. Will it carry over long term? In turn, people that were not previously regular viewers of the brand into regular viewers of NXT tuning into the show, even when Becky's not there. That's the question. Um, I think she should put over someone new when she loses the championship. You know, it's not friggin' not someone that's already established. I feel like that'd be a waste. Roxanne isn't a bad choice, but she was already champion. Unless Tiffany gets her win back to retell that story, that would be fine. Um, but someone new like Lyra or, you know, Cora Jade, like you said, would be perfectly fine by me whenever she comes back. And they might be waiting for the right opportunity to bring her back and tell that story, which would be, again, like I said, perfectly fine by me. Uh, the NXT title match, the NXT tag team title match, that is, the family defending against OTM, the Creed Brothers, Los Lotharios. Really fun four-way. My top takeaway from this, I'm glad the family won the t- or retained the titles, rather. My other top takeaway from this was that OTM are not ready to be on a live special. I mean, these guys are just too green. I've seen the potential there on the Level Up show and sometimes on NXT itself. But being rushed onto a live special, I think it was way too soon for that person. And I I know you agree as well based on what we were talking about uh, over the weekend. Yeah, I think, like, they have potential, but they're just, I mean, like, green is an understatement. They just, green, like I said, they're green as it gets. They just look clunky in the ring. They just don't look ready to be, like I said, on a live special. Especially the other teams that were in there with, like, Lothario was clearly veterans. 
Um, I mean, I like the Creed brothers a lot. I feel like they kind of hit their ceiling at this point. I, I was surprised they haven't got called up. They, what else they really got to prove in NXT? So I think they're a good team. And same with the family. But when you have three established teams, because the Thurs have been on the main roster for a while, like they can work. And they just had the OTM team. They just looked like a fish out of water. They just stuck out so much. And I mean, I, I that's my biggest takeaway. I'm glad the family won, but. OTM in this match was the biggest takeaway of just how unready they are. I think that was pretty clear from the entrance and with how bad it was. Yeah, I thought it was Unico and Camacho coming out, and I fucking <laughs> died laughing. And that shit was terrible. At least they didn't have the uh, the racist fencing on the Titantron like they used to with Han- Unico and Camacho, which did not get enough uh, shit as, much, as it probably should have 10 years ago. I know it was a different time, 10, 12, 10, 12 years ago, but... When they used to have, like, the fence and all that other racist stuff as part of their entrance, I'm surprised it lasted as long as it did. With Hunico and Camacho, that is. Yeah, I mean, they used to do that stuff all the time. I mean, I get it's, a, I get it's like, a gimmick, but, like, going so stereotypical in it, it's a little much. Yeah, it was definitely a bit much. I mean, I understand, I, I didn't understand it, but, like, when they used to do it in the mid-2000s, it's like, okay, that's just the way it was back then, the whole JBL angle and whatever. Doing it in, like, 2011, 2012 was definitely pushing it towards, like, all right, why are we still doing this all these years later when we probably know better? But anyway, I thought the match was good otherwise with uh, the NXT Tag Team titles on the line. Noam and Butch, Noam Dar and Butch, that is, had a pretty good match. Um, I don't really care about the Heritage Cup Championship stuff, but I thought they had a quality match. Uh, we already talked about Trick Williams and Dirty Dominic Mysterio. The NXT Championship match, I thought was excellent. Ilya Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes had a fucking banger at the last show, the Great American Bash, back in July. Uh, Running it back here, I thought even as good, if not a better match, from these two. And I I thought this was the right time to take the title off Carmelo, who's had a great run. Carmelo's had an amazing run as champion. And uh, a lot of great defenses, but I did think Ilya's era has kind of arrived and this was the right time to crown him champion and he emerged victorious and what was an amazing match i uh, just want to get your thoughts on the match itself and what you see this Ilya Dragunov era of nxt looking like yeah i thought this was a really good match i i, I mean i thought it was hard hitting probably better than the great american batch bash match like you said i thought it was just what it really needed to be i thought this was a great title match I thought Ilya, like i said it was kind of his time but he wasn't winning here i just at that point, it's just like, I guess he's getting called. I feel like you're either winning the title or you're not, especially in his position. He's just one of the future stars, so if he's not winning here, I'm like, I guess he's getting called up because if he wasn't winning here, I, know, I didn't see him going down to the NXT North American title picture. So definitely great to see him win. Like I said, it helps tell the Carmelo trick story. Carmelo loses, trick wins, kind of gets the dissension there and keeps their feud going. With their store going there, and I mean with Dragonoff, it's the problem I have with him specifically winning. It's just who is he going to face? I mean, I mean, I guess Corbin, you could say, but like Breaker's kind of. I feel like him and Hayes like kind of are going separate ways, and there really isn't like another top guy for him to really face at this point. I feel like that's kind of one thing in NXT right now. They don't really have a lot of top guys or people that are even being groomed to be that. Mm-hmm. So. I'm interested to see what they do, like, but I think that's going to be the biggest downfall right now is they don't really have too many top two guys for him to work with. Yeah, they don't have a lot of depth at the main event level, and they haven't for a while now. When they called up Grayson Waller and other people from that kind of batch, uh, they lost that. I mean, it's been Braun, Carmelo, Ilya, and that's pretty much it. Baron Corbin was involved for a brief bit in the spring, and he's probably going to get another shot based on what they teased on Tuesday. And that's fine. That might be the Halloween Havoc match, I would imagine. 
and that's fine. Um, but they need to find more people, not find more people, not, I'm not even saying, ad, I'm not even advocating for them to bring in more people from Raw and SmackDown to face Ilya, although that would be cool, like, I would love to see them run back Finn Balor and Ilya from that World's Collide show a few years ago, um, Ilya is one of the best in the world right now, so to see him work with pretty much anyone would be great, but they do need to fill out the main event scene with more top talent, they do have Wesley, he went away in storyline, he could be back, they could run back Ilya and Wes from that episode of NXT, I don't know if that's going to be imminent. Um, they don't really have a whole lot of other people. Tony D'Angelo, I don't know if he's the main event guy, but he's already in the tag team division anyway. Uh, I, I'd have to really look at the roster, but I agree, though. I think they need more depth at the main event level, and they start building people up towards that point. But I am looking forward to the Ilya reign, though, because the guy's amazing, and he's had a lot of amazing matches already this year with Dijak and um, J.D. McDonough and now Carmelo Hayes on back-to-back -back live specials, Wesley on TV, Braun Breaker on TV. Um, I think he's going to have a really good reign as champion, so I'm looking forward to that. And we already talked about the main event. So, yeah, I, I think NXT is doing a real good job of kind of getting people back into the product. I've said this before, but, again, it might not be saying much. Would you agree that NXT right now is the best that it's been since the relaunch two years ago, or is there another point in the last two years that would beat out the current one? Uh, I would say easily right now is definitely the best it's been since the relaunch. I just feel like... Like I said, I think the mixture of main roster people with the talent right now has gelled well, and it not that it makes it must-see. I just feel like it's helping these people get better, so then it makes it more must-see. So I've liked it. I've enjoyed it. I watch definitely more frequently than I did when they did the revamp, and I would say I, I watch the product more regularly than I have in the last three years so I, I would definitely say it's 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 at its peak right now yeah no and, and right before the relaunch too we had COVID and there were no fans in the audience so I mean to go back to uh, having fans in the audience and like actual like full capacity fans and uh, it's the first time the product has been as, as feeling hot in any sort of way in a number of years so it's cool to say um, they have a lot of main roster stars in NXT right now they're going to be adding even more next Tuesday not for full time runs obviously but they're advertising a number of big matches and segments for next week's big show. And this isn't any ordinary show. They're not labeling it a certain special or anything like that. Um, Halloween Havoc isn't for another couple weeks. But they're doing this because Dynamite is going head-to-head -to, -head to the NXT next week due to the... Is it an MLB thing next Wednesday? Is that why they're moving to Tuesdays? Or is it an NBA Yeah, they have uh, playoff games on TBS, I think, on Wednesday night. Okay, so it's an MLB thing. Um, all right, so that's why they're moving to Tuesdays for next Tuesday. Going head-to-head -head with NXT. NXT is stacking this show. Um, the bigger matches there, they, they, they announced like Blair Davenport and Gigi Dolan and whatever. But the bigger segments they announced, Roxanne Perez going one-on-one -on -one with Asuka after Kiana James cost Roxanne Perez the number one contendership, the NXT Women's Championship. Um, they're going to uh, have Asuka go one-on-one -on -one with Roxanne, which sounds amazing. Cody Rhodes will appear be appearing on the brand with a major announcement. To announce what, I have no idea. I assume it's something Dusty Rhodes related, because what announcement would Cody Rhodes have for NXT? Um, so probably some, probably the return of the Dusty Tag Team Classic, which isn't really a major announcement, but you know we'll see. Um, and then the uh, bigger match, the main event of the show, we're running it back. Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes, the Battleground main event and the Stand and Deliver main event. Breaker and Hayes Part 3, but not just that. They're going to have Paul Heyman in the corner of Braun Breaker and John Cena making his, I think, his NXT TV debut. I don't know if he ever appeared in NXT TV ever. I know he's been in NXT, like, at Fall Sale and whatever for dark show segments, but I don't know if he was ever actually there on the show many, many years ago. I'd have to really go back and look at it or think about it or whatever. So that's amazing. 
Um, he'll be on the show next week with Hayes, and they have that Massachusetts connection. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. That sounds like a really strong lineup on paper. Oh, yeah. It's definitely going to be a stat show here. Um, I, I mean, I think it'll be a good show as well. But um, I think that I've enjoyed the prize a lot. I think they're definitely, like you said, with AEW going. The Tuesday nights next week is the MLB playoffs. I think it should be a, a solid show. I mean, definitely stacking the car with big names, but also just having good matches with NXT talent as well. A lot of people are all up in arms right now over the whole thing as far as like, oh, you know, why are they going head-to-head and all this other sort of stuff, and what does that really do for NXT? Well, it's because Dynamite, like I said, is going to Tuesdays, and they're not just going to sit there and have a... I mean, adding John Cena and Cody Rhodes is pretty desperate, but they want to compete with Dynamite and make sure they have a, a big show. If Dynamite's having a big show, it's a title Tuesday. They want to have a big show themselves. So it's going to be fun. I don't want to see the Tuesday night or Wednesday night wars back permanently. It's not really a war. It's more of a skirmish, but still, um, I don't want to see it back on a weekly basis. Those days of having to watch both either at the same time, which I didn't do often. I would typically watch one and then the other. It it was a lot. It was a lot. So I'm glad we're not getting those days back. I would rather have one on Tuesdays, one on Wednesdays. But for one night only, they're stacking both of these shows, and I'm looking forward to it. A lot of what we're getting on that Tuesday Dynamite next week is stemming from Wrestle Dream over the weekend and from Dynamite last night. So we'll get into it here. Uh, we won't do a whole Wrestle Dream full-on review. They were like a million matches. But what were your top takeaways from that show? And what were your overall thoughts on the pay-per-view from Sunday? With some people calling it one of the best pay-per-views AEW has done to date. Uh, that was pretty decent for what I watched. I mean, like I said, there was so many matches. I didn't watch everything down, like match by match. I watched the majority about Tuesday. Um, I just watched football on Sunday and just, just go out of my way to watch <laughs> it. But I saw I liked Hangman Swerve a lot. I'm glad Swerve won. Thank God. I mean, you had me going with fucking Adam Hangman Pace. was going to win and I was going to cry. So glad he won there. I mean, I think that's a big win for Swerve. And if they're definitely going to use him in the future, I think he needed like a big time win. So I like that a lot. Um, I watched MGF and the Righteous. I mean, MGF winning was great, but. I mean, yeah, two if they're going to yeah. push the righteous, I feel like it just, I don't know how you can do that after they lost two on one here, like no cheating or anything. Mm-hmm. You just kind of beat them clean. Um, I mean, FTR and Aussie Open was good. Uh, like I said before, I just, I don't really know why they were getting a title shot. They just lost to Guevara and, and Jericho a few weeks ago, but I mean, FTR can have a good match with anyone. I thought Danielson and Sabre Jr. was pretty good. Uh, and then the main event was, it was good into the, I mean, I hated the ending, like the ripping up the ring and the spot him throwing Darby on the steel, steel steps to me just was like, might as well get the bazooka out and kill him at this point. Um, but I get, like, I understand it kind of like led up to the, the edge come like debut. So I get it to a point, but I feel like it was kind of a little overdone, but like I said, for what I saw, I thought it was a pretty good show there. Like I said, there was fucking 14 matches. I watched like five of them. For what I saw, it was good. I just don't. I don't really care for a lot of the matches on there, so I didn't watch them match by match. But for what I saw, I thought it was a pretty good show. Yeah, now listen, I thought it was an excellent show. I think my biggest issue with it is the length of these shows. But I mean, specifically match count because they've always had four-hour pay-per-views. It's something I'm just kind of used to at this point. The show starting at eight, ending at twelve. I just expect it at this point. So that doesn't really bother me. But they can cut down on the match counts, especially when matches go long. Um, there were matches that I enjoyed. I don't think there was a bad match, personally, in my opinion, on the show. But some of these matches did not need to be on the show. Like, Eddie Kingston and Shibata, I thought, had a really well-wrestled match. 
That could have been a, like a rampage or a collision main event. Uh, Ricky Starks and Wheeler Yuta served absolutely, absolutely no purpose at all. I mean, that could have just been on Dynamite or Collision. And again, they had a quality match, and I love Ricky Starks. I'm glad he won a match on pay-per-view, but it's like, on a show with 14 or 15 matches, will anyone even fucking remember it is the question? Probably not. Um, like the Fatal 4-Way number 1 Contenders match, again, we get that shit on Rampage constantly. You probably could have just put it on that show. Um, so I would have cut out a couple matches, but overall, it was a great show. I, I definitely enjoyed, like you said, Swerve Strickland and Adam Page. I thought they had an excellent match. And Swerve winning, not only just winning, but winning clean really surprised me. It was a pleasant surprise that he won that match. Could you see that as his breakout performance in a way where they really should capitalize on that performance? A lot like with Ricky Starks, where he's not like a made guy at this point. But coming off the matches I thought Starks had with Danielson at the all-out pay-per-view and on collision, to me, he feels like he's way better off now than he was even six months ago. Um, with Swerve Strickland, you can say the same thing. He beat Hangman on this show, and now he's going to be facing Brian Danielson on next Tuesday's episode with the winner challenging for the TNT Championship at some point down the road. Um, he's a guy, I think, at a time where they need more heels on this roster, especially when MJF is a babyface at the moment. Swerve is a guy I think they can really skyrocket to the moon. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it's possible. Like you said, with the TNT, though, it's like, when is he going to, like, it kind of... I fear for that because if it's like anytime soon, I feel like you wouldn't win because Christian's the champion and he's a heel. I don't think you're gonna do heel versus heel, so it'd mm-hmm. be probably Brian more than anything. But I mean, I like him a lot. Like, so they do need more like top tier heels. Once MJF flipped, I just they want to have a ton of proven heels. So I mean, I guess that's a, that's a start. Um, but like, like I said, I'm just kind of glad he won the match. From here, we'll see what it does. But I'm just glad he won this match. I feel like you'd start gaining momentum from here. Do you think you could you see Swerve at some point winning the world championship in this company? Do you think he's world championship material in AW? I mean, I think he could eventually. I wouldn't say anytime soon, but I think he, I, if for him specifically, I'd want him to win like the TNT belt, have a decent run, and then move on to the world title. Okay. Yeah, I think it might take some time, but I do think he absolutely. I don't know if I would have said that a year ago, not because he doesn't have the talent, but in terms of how they were positioning him. Um, cause he had a great run when he first came in with Keith Lee and there were a little mini, I say mini feud, their feud lasted a friggin' year that was never really blown off, but you know, they teamed for a while too, but they weren't positioning him as a big star on his own until just recently, really until the Adam Page feud and the Darby feud. I'm honestly, I, I could see a situation here with Danielson and him. I could see it going either way. Christian's a heel. So I don't know if they would do swerving Christian for the TNT title. I mean, it would be cool. I wouldn't mind. I don't know. The thing with Christian is that. He's doing amazing work right now as TNT champion, and he just won the title officially like a week or two ago. So I don't know if I would take the belt off of him immediately. I I wouldn't, personally. I could see a situation where maybe Swerve Strickland costs, or rather loses to Danielson. Danielson challenges Christian for the championship, and then Swerve costs Brian the win, and that can be Swerve's next feud. I think putting Swerve with other people like Darby, like Adam Page, like Brian, will only boost his stock in the long term and really make people see him as a bigger star, I think. No, definitely. If you put them in a big, with big time players, you're going to get big time results normally. Yeah. So yeah. I think him, like I said, him winning here was definitely key. I think losing, I would have been like, Jesus Christ. I just feel like they have guys that they build up and they get to a certain spot. And once they get to a certain spot, they just lose. So I'm glad he won here. You just, with the guys, specifically guys like him, you just got to keep building the momentum. I mean, I think people think, oh, he got this one win, he just started losing and just. He's not proven yet, so you need to keep piling on the wins. They always get him to a certain point that he can win and then kind of get to that next level 
so many times they build up someone, they win one big match, and people are like, oh, they're made, and then they lose constantly, and then we just they just shuffle them out. So I think for him specifically, he needs to keep building wins to just get more credibility. He's not a proven star, so he needs to keep winning. Yeah, no, you just got to keep winning. You got to keep it consistent. That's the key there. And I think uh, if, if he can keep it, if they can be consistent with him as they have failed to do with others, I think that's really what's going to get him over to that next level in the long term. Because I think he does, uh, you know, is worthy of being at that spot. And I think he can thrive in that main event level if they were to push him at that level at any point in the near future, or if not long term, like you said. Um, I like Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. It was more of like a wrestling, wrestling match, but I thought it was, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. The six man I enjoyed. I enjoyed all the matches on the show. Just again, there were so many good matches. I thought that some of them kind of got lost in the shuffle, and the crowd kind of died at certain points, or at least got quieter. But they came back alive for what I thought was a great main event: uh, Christian Cage, Darby Allen, two out of three falls for the TNT Championship. I know you talked about it earlier. A lot of shenanigans as far as pulling out the bazooka to kill Darby. The steel step spot is just fucking dumb. Um, I think that's a Darby idea, and I just thought that was. Very silly. There was one point where Christian, it looked like he was going to do it, but then he didn't think he could do it safely, so then he didn't do it, and then I think they did it again. They actually went through with the spot later on. Um, but I thought the overall match was great. I thought they told a great story. I'm just happy Christian won, because like I said on last week's show, I figured Darby Allen would win. I don't think we knew at that point that it was main eventing. Um, I figured Darby would win, though. And it, with it being his home state, he gets the belt back. Good feel, good, you know, whatever, a good feel moment. Feel-good moment, rather. Uh, we didn't get that on this show. It was Christian Cage retaining, and then afterward, we got the feel-good moment with Adam Copeland arriving, as a lot of people expected. I still did not believe, up until really probably a day or two before, if not on the show itself. And for me, it was one of those, I'll see it when I, I'll believe it when I see it type things, because I genuinely did not think Edge was going to AEW, but sure enough, he shows up here, confronts Christian, attacks Nick Wayne, who turned heel and joined Christian, attacks Luchasaurus, and, uh, we go off the air with Adam Copeland being all elite. So your reaction to the debut itself, how it was executed, and uh, now that it's finally happened, we've talked about it a lot in recent months, Adam Copeland is now in AEW. What are your thoughts? I mean, I thought, uh, like I said, the match itself was what it was. I thought it was good until, like I said, he got to like the spot where he threw him on the steel steps. So he said he definitely, I think he thought it was like, dude, I can't do it. I just want to kill this guy. <laughs> I'm assuming Darby's like, just do it. And he just did it anyways. Like, I don't know. It still looked reckless when he did it, but I think he had more reassurance. I think at first he's like, this is fucking stupid. And then he just did it. Like I said, it's definitely a Darby thing. Like, most people would not do that spot. It just seems very reckless at that point but no i thought like they said the end of the match was whatever i mean if darby won would edge have come back so i guess that's my question like the whole video package i hate the whole like a video package plays and everyone just waits like if darby won would edge came out like i feel like that that like disbelief there is kind of i guess you gotta like yeah forget that there's a like i get it but uh, i feel like they do that way too much with like oh like a video plays and everyone just waits for him to come out but I think it's, like I said, I mean, I think it was reported before that it was a good chance, especially once they made, they said it was going to main event. I had a, I mean, at that point I felt like it was going to happen. Um, I mean, it's here. I, I'm not the biggest Edge fan, so I wasn't like going crazy. I mean, I like Edge, but I mean, I'm not, I don't think it's going to, everyone's saying, I think people think it's a bigger sign than it really is. Like he's going to go hang out with Christian. Okay. Um, but, I mean, for what it was, it was done well, but I'm not, like, the biggest Edge fan, so I didn't go, like, overly crazy. So I thought it was an awesome moment. I thought the execution was great. I am a big Edge guy, but I do have 
Uh, I mean, I was more kind of split than I am now. I think in retrospect, really looking at the overall situation, I think it makes sense. Now, when we first talked about this a month ago, six weeks ago, whenever it was, I honestly didn't really see any reason for him to go to AEW. I know the whole Christian thing. And I still kind of feel like even some of the people that he mentioned last night, I'm thinking, it just it just feels weird to see him working with people like, maybe not Jay White and Kenny Omega, like people like that I could see and it makes sense. Samoa Joe's another good one. I don't know. He has a whole fresh batch of people to work with. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, I guess it just depends that he has to be working with the right people. Like, him and Darby would be cool. I don't know. I mean, some of the people that he mentioned last night, like fucking Juice Robinson, like, okay. Well, I mean, I know that was a joke or whatever, but... Um, I don't know. It was just weird when I really thought about Edge going to AEW, but now that he's here, it just kind of makes sense because, let's face it, he had the match with Sheamus. It was the perfect way for him to go out, and he thought, he had mentioned to Sports Illustrated the other day, he thought that might have been it for him. He thought that might have been it, and then he would be done in wrestling for good, which was definitely an option, and we talked about that as far as, like, he may never wrestle again. And if so, that was a great way to go out. I figured he was not having his last match, although it was in Toronto. I figured he would have his last match, in Toronto, or uh, not not on SmackDown. I figured he wouldn't have it there. It would be on pay-per-view or WrestleMania as part of a storyline or something. And that's not what that was. If he comes back to WWE, I know it's not a money thing, I don't think. I because he not Even if it was, he wouldn't say that publicly. I just feel like if he did go back to WWE, what is he doing? And I guess I just kind of asked that question with him in AEW. Like, what is he doing in AEW beyond the Christian thing? But in WWE, like he said, he has done it all. He's already come back and done the main event thing, gone for the championship. The only thing he didn't do was one bet, win back the world title he never lost. Beyond that, he's done everything else. And it didn't sound like WWE was headed in that direction. Um, he had mentioned that he had pitched more stuff to do and he wanted to do more, he wanted to wrestle more, but they wanted to keep him special. So they didn't want to have him be full-time, but he's going to be full-time now in AEW, which doesn't mean that he's wrestling every week. But he will be on the show every week, a lot like Sting was for the first, you know, two years of his run before he started disappearing a bit more. Um, so your thoughts as far as, like, that goes? Because I didn't know that originally. I didn't think AEW needed another part-timer, so to speak. But now that he's full-time, I could see the WWE viewpoint as far as wanting to keep him special. Does him being every week in AEW, I think it is a massive signing for them. Is him being there every week kind of uh, take away that specialness vibe from Edge? From Adam Copeland, that is? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's another thing. Like, I think even when w, like even with WWE, him being a part-time, I feel like it was, not that it was stale, but, like, it didn't even seem that special. And I feel like by the ending, I, I just feel like he just, I mean, I get, like, he might have felt like another guy, but at least they left him off TV, and, like, they did build him up and come back in. I mean, looking back at it now, him beating Finn was, like, one of the dumbest decisions they've made all thousand year. percent, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about last night, like, I was thinking, like, in my head, I'm like, what was, like, one of the, I was thinking about the specific scenario, I said, honestly, if I, I'm gonna ask Graham tomorrow, but I think literally the dumbest decision, booking decision WWE has made all year, I mean, I guess you could say Roman Cody, if you want to go in that direction, but besides that, it would easily be Finn losing to, to Edge, because I feel like it made no sense, like, it did nothing for Edge, it did nothing for Finn, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess... It didn't really kill Finn in the end because he's now with Judgment Day, which is one of the biggest things on Raw. But, I mean, I feel like it could have kept the mystique of the demon. I mean, he just lost Edge at WrestleMania and then we mm-hmm. moved on. So, I mean, I just, I think, like you said, WWE, I think, I mean, I understand their point of view as well. Like, if you put Brock Lesnar on Raw every week, would he be a special? No. Is Edge that guy? No. But I think also with the Legends, you kind of have to, 
pick your spots in a sense of like if they're on the show every week they just normally do become one of those like there's another guy at the end of the day i mean if you put on edge every week it's going to be like he eventually will just feel like another guy on the roster so i think i understand what they were trying to do with not having him on the show as much is because he is a like to them a legend it definitely is like a more of a must-see feel of like edge is on smath and if you haven't seen him in two months if he's on every week it just it's not obviously the same so I get that aspect, but like I said, I get his point of maybe he wants to be more full-time. I mean... While he still can, anyway. When he still can, I guess, but I just... I don't know, I just... To me, I just... I don't see the benefit of going... Like, I get it, you get to work with your friends, but at the other end, it's just... You're ending your career in a, a company that most people won't see you in, so... And then you gotta change your name to your original name, so... I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's like Kurt Angle to TNA. Like, a lot of people thought, like, once Kurt Angle left WWE, like, he stopped wrestling. Like, people did not know he went to TNA, like, most normal people. Like, I just feel like it is not a downgrade. It is, well, it is a downgrade per se, but I just, I don't know. I just feel like those legends, I get it. But then it just, you just, most people just see you as, like, a WWE. Like, he's a WWE guy. Like, people see him as that, so he's not in WWE. They think he's, like, at home. Like, they don't think he's wrestling. Like, they wouldn't even know. Yeah, no, I think at this point, it's not really... I think it's less about that and more about him just having fun, I think. I mean, as far as that goes, yeah. I mean, the grand scheme of things, would it make more sense for him to have his last match or run in WWE? Yeah, but listen, the way that I read it and read these interviews was that he was ending his full-time career in AEW. I, I did laugh last night when he did pop up on Dynamite, not for his promo, but for when he first interacted with Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho backstage. And he was like, oh, it's so cool to be here in the fourth anniversary, sh- fourth anniversary show. I hope to be here for the sixth and the eighth and the twelfth. I'm like, I, I fucking hope you're not here in eight years, pal. Like, if Edge is still wrestling in eight years, I mean, we might have a problem, but especially full time. <laughs> I don't think you'll be, I don't think you'll be at the twelfth anniversary of Dynamite. You'll probably be back at WrestleMania or whatever at that point. Um, I'm not even saying he needs to end his career in WWE, but I just... I don't know. As far as the couple things that you said with, with the Balor thing, I totally agree. That was one of the first things I, I thought of as soon as he came out on Sunday. I'm like, I mean, I, I already knew, we already talked about this a couple months ago. Before even Edge was leaving, before we even had a hint that he was that he was leaving WWE when his contract expired, we were saying, why the fuck did Edge beat him at WrestleMania? I mean, it's even dumber in retrospect because Edge doesn't work there anymore. I know you can argue, oh, it was the feel-good moment story to end it with the babyface finally going over. No, it, it wasn't, because he never showed up again after that. He showed up twice. Once for a match with Grace, actually three times. He was a part of that World Heavyweight title tournament that he lost. Okay. Didn't even advance to the next round, even though he beat Finn Balor at Mania. Okay. He beat Grayson Waller on SmackDown and MSG. Then he lost to Sheamus, a couple, or he beat Sheamus on his way out, and that was it. When he said that they had no plans for him... I mean, I buy that, but I just find that hard to believe they couldn't come up with anything for him to do. I do think, honestly, like I said, I think in retrospect, thinking about it, him going to AEW was the better call because I think there's just more for him to do there if he wants to do more. But I'm also thinking it at it from a creative standpoint for with him being in WWE and him pitching stuff. He said he couldn't come up with anything for the first time. WWE is a whole host of writers. They couldn't come up with anything anything for him to do. It's not like they don't have anyone for him to work with. I mean, he's worked with the Rollins and the Romans and the people like that. I get it. But, like, you couldn't come up with a feud with him and friggin', like, I, I don't know, Bobby Lashley or something? I'm not even saying that's overly appealing. But I just thought that was one of the bigger surprising things that he said as well as far as, like, there wasn't anything creatively 
for him to do there. I mean, there's nothing for Brock to do either, and Brock's been there for a decade. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just feel like they could have come up with something. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough. Like you said, I like the thing is, you just did it. Like you're like, oh, I don't know, they didn't come out anything with them. You're like, oh, maybe Bobby. Like I just, I understand. I just feel like, especially like you said, it's just tough because it's like, what else do you do with them? Like if he's not full time, he kind of, especially a part time. I feel like get to pick your spots. Like if other people are going on with other feuds, is like, like what other heels are really for him to work with? So I get that aspect as well. Um, but I feel like with Brock, I feel like they can like they've handed him an Omos like. I feel like he's just at a totally different level than Edge. That like he can, you can pretty much put him with anyone, and people will still like buy it. I don't know. Like, I think Brock is just such a special case that it's tough to like compare any other part timer to him. Like the other part timers, you literally go him, John Cena. I mean, I literally pencil Roman Reigns, even though he's a champion. He's still part time. Like, they're at like a totally different level than Edge is. So it's like easier for them to kind of like pencil those other people in because they just feel like. I feel like they just don't see Edge at the, their other those other people's levels, which, I mean, I don't think he is at their level. Like, mm-hmm. those other people are, like, superstar, like, top, top guys. I think Edge is a good part-timer. I just don't think they see him at, like, the Lesnar, Cena, Reigns level, which I don't blame them. But I also think, like I said, with a part-time schedule, depending on who you are, it is definitely harder to make up plans if there's other things going on. And it's like, oh, wait, we can't do this. Edge will be back in two months. Like, it's... You really, at that point, you have to say how worth it is. At least with Brock, you know it's going to buy and draw and all that stuff. With Edge, it's a little bit different. I, I think Edge still draws. I don't know as much as Brock, but I do think he's worth having around. I'm just kind of more so surprised that if his contract expired in September, he said September 21st or something like that, his contract expired. You can't come up with any last-minute stories for him on his way out. I don't know. I know they were in Toronto, and that's where he wanted to end his career or run in WWE. But they still had from April to August, and he did pop up from time to time doing stuff leading up to that matchup. That's what I just don't understand, I guess. I mean, he was around doing stuff, but just not nothing. Like, he would pop up once in a while for, like, the Waller thing, then he would disappear for a month. I don't know. I'm just thinking of the roster that they have, and they have so many talented people. He did feud with a lot of them either already or it's just not an appealing matchup like him and... Again, who do they even have on SmackDown for him to work with? Like, is he going to work with Gunther? Like, no. Like, stuff like that, like, probably not. I don't know. I think him going to AEW was the better call, though. But you mentioned it not being really, like, worth it for WWE. With Brock, listen, Brock just resigns for the money at this point. He's not doing it to have fun or whatever. If they offer him money to come back, they may not have a plan for Brock right now, as they didn't have an Edge, a plan for Edge six months ago, but they will have a plan for Brock come WrestleMania. I feel like Edge would have been in that same boat where they would have resigned him and they would have put him in a match. And they would have put him in a match in Mania, come Mania once they figure out what they're going to do with him. But he obviously wants to work more. You said it wasn't worth it for WWE to resign him. Is it worth it for AEW to pick up a big name like Edge um, and add him to their roster that already has a lot of people on it? That's the big question, I think. I fucking hate you. Um, I myself don't think it's worth it. I obviously don't know what the financials come down to. I just. I mean, I guess we'll see about the ratings this week. I just, I feel like for them, it's really tough. I mean, Punk is literally was, and I mean, unless like Roman Reigns, John Cena, or Brock Lesnar went to AEW, besides Punk, there's no other bigger name that could go there. It's like Punk couldn't really even move the, like, he moved the needle a little bit, but it wasn't even what people expected. I just, I have to know the financials to say how much worth it is. Like, they're doing, they're having dynamite tapings in buildings hosting 2,000 people. I mean, 
and like the the gifts were funny. Like Edge running out, he ran to the side. There's no crowd. He's like, where the fuck is everyone? Like, it's a totally different aspect. So like financially, I would have to see like how much he's getting paid to actually think if it's actually worth it. But I don't know. I just feel like they do, like not that they're not that they are in a sense. But I think they just have a bigger budget. But I feel like it's not that it is. Like I said, I'm not saying it is, but it's giving me like TNA vibes. I'm just bringing all these ex WWE guys. And like they're gonna be all over the show, and I, like I said, at the end of the day, is it worth it to push these guys over? I mean, Edge is gonna get a spot over someone else that should be getting a spot, so you kind of have to weigh that. But like I said, I don't know how much money he's making. I don't think it's gonna really affect the viewership that much. The attendance is low. I don't. I, I to me, I don't think looking at all those factors, it would. It, it's worth it. So I, I don't know. I look at it this way. I think it's a uh, it's a name for a name. They lost CM Punk. I think CM Punk was a bigger draw than Edge was in terms of just merchandise, and it was a different scenario too. Because when Punk came back, he hadn't been in wrestling in seven years. We just saw Edge in WWE two months ago, so it's not like we haven't seen Edge. If this is Edge in 2020 when he first comes back, I think that could have been equivalent to Punk's run in the sense that. Edge hadn't wrestled in nine years, his first run back with AEW, blah, blah, blah. I think he made the right choice in going to WWE first. I feel like his return would not have felt the same way if he came back as Adam Copeland in another company. I think he almost went to AEW, but he didn't. Um, I think he made the right choice then. But as far as now, I mean, they lost Punk, and they kind of have a void there, and I feel like Edge kind of fills that in, because it's not like he's wrestling five times a year. He has his first match next week against Luchasaurus on Dynamite. Um, so he's going to be wrestling not every week, but he will be appearing pretty consistently for them, which I like. The Christian thing makes sense. He wants to end his career with Christian. That seems like it was his biggest factor. If it wasn't for Christian, he probably would have stayed in WWE, to be honest with you. Um, if we're going to be, uh, you know, really breaking this down here. I don't know. I, I think it is worth it. I think he, he does add a new veteran presence to the roster. Do I want to see him win the world championship? Not necessarily. I mean, in WWE, it was one thing because they had two titles. He can win it on one brand. That's fine. Have a little token run with it. In AEW, there were so many people ahead of him that should have the title before him um, that I probably wouldn't do that unless the story really made sense, at least not right now anyway. It depends how long this run goes. The funny thing is they did not say during that press scrum that he was going to be around for the next five years. How long do you think his run lasts in AW? Is it a short-term thing with Christian where he's only around for six months to 12 months? Or do you think he'll be around for two to three years? I mean, I think you'd have to be around for a couple of years to make it worth it, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but I mean, it we don't know how much he's getting paid. It's not like he's getting paid $5 million. We don't know. I mean, he's getting, I guarantee he's making seven figures. Would... No, he is, but I'm not. there's a difference, though, between $3 million and a $1 million. Like, he could be making a $1 million for a year as opposed to $3 million for two or three years. I just, yeah, I mean, I guess we don't really know, but like I said, I like you're, you mentioned that you said it's a trade, basically a one-for-one trade with Punk, but like, say that, like, I mean, WWE's really going in on the Punk references lately, like if Punk goes to WWE, would you say it's worth letting Edge go to get Punk back, or? Um, I personally, I think it benefits more, who, I, I know this wasn't your question, I do think it is worth letting Edge go to bring Punk back, because okay. if, at the end of the day, they're both, like, with Edge, there's really not much more you can do with him currently in AEW. Or, like, an, I'm sorry, in WWE. If you bring in Punk, he hasn't been there in a decade, and there's a lot of people he can work with. I think Punk, had, I'm not saying he should have even left AEW. If that situation didn't happen, I'm not saying don't fire him because he was, he, he was a fucking, obviously, a problem. He's a pain in the ass. 
if they can keep him in check, we've already talked about this a little bit, but I do think it's worth WWE bringing in Punk. Because I think there's a lot of people for him to work with. You have the Roman Reigns connection right off the bat. The Rollins thing, right off the bat. And that's not even the new people that he hasn't worked with yet on both shows. I'm not saying they'll have him for 10 years, but I also think Punk coming in, I think he might even come in more full-time than fucking Edge was. So honestly, I think if we're really breaking this down here and being honest, if, if this was a trade, like it's sports, I think WWE gets more out of it than Edge does. I'm sorry, than AEW does with Edge. No, I completely agree. So that's why I was kind of bringing up, you said... yeah. I think, and like in that aspect, like I said, they are hinting at. Like I, I would at this point, after how much they're kind of leaning in on it, I'd be shocked if he didn't come out. I just, I guess it's more a matter of when at this point. I, I do think Punk's going back regardless. I think it's just more a matter of do they bring him back as soon as Survivor Series in Chicago? I know he made that comment on commentary at one of those MMA shows. Oh, I've got the next two months off. I mean, that was pretty specific. And Punk knows what he's doing when he when he hints at certain stuff. Uh, could it be there? Would he return in the Rumble? Could he fucking win the Rumble? I mean, I and I don't know. I mean, anything is possible at this point. I think there's a scenario where I was thinking of Rollins and Gunter at Mania. I think there's a very real possibility that uh, maybe Rhodes does something else to earn the opportunity with Roman at Mania, and we see Punk win the Men's Rumble instead, and he faces Rollins at WrestleMania, and he gets the Mania main event that he never got the first time. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not even I'm not even advocating for it necessarily because again it's one of those situations that he was com- that he himself was complaining about 10 years ago oh these people here working all year and then you bring in people like Rock to take away from the main eventers I mean that's literally him if he comes <laughs> if he comes back but I'm not I just I don't know I think it's a real possibility I think the punk references are not by accident especially if they're multiple weeks in a row um, I think it's a great trade edge for punk but I do think WWE gets more out of it. Punk's a fucking liability, too, so maybe it is more fair than I'm making it out to be. Because Punk, there's the risk there that it doesn't work out. He gets hurt. Edge hasn't really gotten hurt a whole lot, so there is, there is also that. Punk's injury-prone. He's a hothead backstage. But I feel like they would keep him in check. But again, that's just my own two cents. Because again, when he was last there 10 years ago, it seemed like he was a lot worse off in terms of his health, and he was on the verge of dying, he's called it, and stuff like that. But he wasn't backstage having fights with fucking... Uh, Jack Swagger, you know, I don't know. It just—it's a weird, it's a different situation, I think. No, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like I said, I think the references are definitely leaning into it. I don't think they would do it if they don't think there's a good chance it's coming. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be weird to see Adam Copeland in AEW and now Punk in WWE, but uh, that might be what we're looking at come early 2024, and that might be a small taste of what else is to come. We already have Jade Cargill in the main, ro- probably coming to the main roster. She officially signed last week. We talked about it last week, and she might be headed to the Red Brand. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. is not nearly in the atmosphere of those same names at all, <laughs> but he's going to NXT. We know that now, uh, which is cool. I like Brian Pillman Jr. He's not remotely the same star as those other people. He needs a lot of seasoning, but um, I think he's quite good, and um, you know, I think he's going to be a good pickup for them. So I hope more names uh, you know, go both ways. I think we could see, again, not an amazing acquisition, but I think it'd be cool, honestly, and he's not going to win the world title, but Dolph Ziggler, I think if he goes to AEW, I think that's another thing that would make me want to watch even more just because it's something new for him. It's like Edge, where we've seen him so long in WWE, with Dolph, it was way worse because the guy's so fucking stale. But him in AEW, I think it would be cool to see him mixing it up with new people and just get a new, uh, you know, uh, kind of feeling for the Dolph Ziggler character as far as uh, kind of a fresh coat of paint, so to speak. So I think 2024 is going to be an interesting year, would you say? 
Yeah, I mean, with Ziggler, honestly, I could care less where he goes. <laughs> I, I mean, I would not watch AEW more than I do now because Dolph Ziggler's on the show. I know that for a fact. No, but listen, for going into it, though, I'm, I'm not saying it would make the show more must see, but for me personally, I'm not even the ultimate Dolph Ziggler fan, and I haven't been for a long time, but it would be cool just to see him in a different scenery. And Look, I, so, so you say that, but it's like I feel like you said, then you bring in another guy. It's just I feel like we're gonna get in this process. They're gonna start losing people and just gaining all these old WWE guys. And like I said, I just have TNA in my mind right now. Like <laughs> you're you're saying, oh, like it'd be so great that Ziggler come in, yeah. And then if they lose Starks, Wardlow, and MJF, it's like okay, you gained a has been for three guys that you could be pushing. Like it with, feels like TNA. I don't know. I have TNA feels right now. Do you think it's equivalent to like maybe eight years ago when W when, I mean TNA had X WWE guys in the two thousands. But I'm talking about like the, the mid twenty tens when WWE started picking up the AJ Styleses and the Samoa Joes and the Robert Roods, Austin Aries. They picked off all of TNA's biggest stars and then TNA had fucking Alberto El Patron. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't like it. I, I, I like I said, you gotta push your own guys. And I feel like they're starting to go like WWE light and it's not, I don't like it. I liked last week's se- or last night's segment with Christian and Edge, but you can't be closing every dynamite with two guys that were a team twenty five years ago. I will say that. I, yeah, I completely agree. I, I love the storyline. Listen, I'm a big Edge and Christian mark. I'm looking forward to it. It we cannot <laughs> it cannot be your central it can't be your focal point. And Adam Cole getting hurt doesn't help that because that was their focal point, but Adam Cole is gone and they can only do those comedy things, the pre taped segments for so long. So I'm kind of worried that where that might be going, and if Edge is going to take center stage, Edge is great. Did your enough. audio get through on that, or did you have to rewatch at the end of the show? <laughs> I watched both. The audio is terrible. That was that was really bad. I watched the whole show, and I'm like, what the fuck? And I mean, they obviously replayed it, so I ended up watching it the second time. But that first, I'm like, how did they not correct that? I just they did later on, but while the first one is playing, it was I, I turned off my TV and turned it back on. I thought it was a me issue. No, it's, I mean, I saw it, I just died laughing. I'm just like, this happens every week, every week, every week. Um, on that same note, real quickly, though, as we wind down here, a couple things. Wardlow is back. He returned on Dynamite. Powerhouse Hobbs also back, uh, aligning with the Don Callis family. But specifically with Wardlow, you know, I think we could get into a situation where they're picking up guys like Dolph and losing guys like Wardlow, who I think, Dolph or not, he should leave. I mean, I said that a month ago, but... If that guy's not fucking out of this company when his contract comes due, I don't know what we're even doing here. I know they're looking like they're going to try to push him again. I don't want to say he's damaged goods because he can rebound in AEW, but it's just not looking good after all the damage that's been done and a lot of damage has been done. I'm not overly optimistic this latest push will work out. I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. And the way that it was booked was cool. Like, he came out, killed Griff Garrison, and then walked out. It was cool. Uh, but are you optimistic for this Wardlow push? Where do you think this is going? I'm not optimistic at all. I don't know. I just feel like you can't, he like was like the badass loss. Okay, so he beat up Griff Garrison. Okay, I just I just worry that like especially someone like him, he was built up like like him and Jade were kind of built up the same like the unbeatable beast, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like he lost, and then he went off TV, and then he came back and won, and then he lost, and came back on TV and won, and then he lost. I just. He needs, like, an actual storyline. Like, his TNT title run was so fucking awful. Like, after he beat MJF, which seemed like the biggest win of his career, and it's like, finally, Wardler's gonna get his push, it literally, like, did, like, it, like, hurt his career somehow. Because the booking was terrible. It's like, he beat MJF, wins the belt, then he's facing, like, 20 security guards, like, Mark Sterling's job crew, 
um, all these other random people, and then he lost the powerhouse, then he beat him, then he lost again, and then fucking QT came out, and then we did the factory thing, and just like he needs an actual storyline with like actual people that people care about, not just being job guys every week. Well, it's just not consistent. I mean, like he had the feud with Joe, and he won the belt back from Joe, then he lost it three days later. I mean, it just was not, and he would disappear for months on end, then he would come back, new look, they cut his hair. Uh, the match with MJF was a waste of time because the focus was on MJF walking out, not really Wardlow. It was just, it was one thing after another with that. Actually, MJF came out of that feud better off than Wardlow did. How, how does that happen? Bad booking, pal. Yeah, a lot of bad booking. So I'm not overly optimistic. I'm just glad that he's back. We'll see where it goes. Uh, we got a DOI reunion, DIY reunion on Monday Night Raw after a, an excellent Intercontinental Championship match between Gunter and Ciampa. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I was pissed they cut off the fucking show right before uh, they could hit their finisher. Chucky, the Mark. ultimate heel. What'd you say? To Mark. <laughs> I was so pissed. Um, I thought it was a great moment, though. I'm glad to see them back in the tag team division. What are your thoughts? No, I thought it's a good like little return, like you said. I just, I don't know. I feel like they need to break up the belt. I, 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 I think, like I said, I think they're a good addition to the tag team division. I mean. Less Viking Raiders, the better. Less New Day, the better. Um, but I just feel like with them, with them both belts, I just don't really know what they do with them. I mean, I feel like they'll get a run. I, th- I mean, I think they'll eventually split the belts, but I think Raw needs new tag team blood. Like I said, I, I'm tired of Viking Raiders. I'm tired of New Day. Uh, something new. I like I like Champa and, and Gargano when they teamed up in NXT, so I think it's definitely a new, like, blood that they could use on Raw specifically. Yeah, and I don't really know what much more you do with them on their own for now. Ciampa just lost to Gunter, and uh, Gargano could have a match with Gunter too, but um, and that would be amazing. But I just don't know what else you do with them on their own currently, and it could help get them over as a unit if they start working together. And listen, I think my money is now on them to be the team to beat Judgment Day for those tag team titles, and I, I just think it's going to happen. It's more a matter of time. Uh, another highlight from Raw on Monday, that excellent Drew McIntyre slow burn heel turn. He used the Future Shock DDT, if you notice, to win the match. And uh, he has not used that as a finisher since his Broken Dreams heel days 10 years ago. So, I thought that was really cool. What we're getting with Drew right now, I think, is the best thing going on Monday Night Raw by... Uh, not a wide margin, because I like the Judgment Day stuff and Jey Uso and stuff. But the Drew McIntyre angle has been excellent so far. No, I think Mac- the McIntyre heel turn kind of like runs with the Jey Uso, like I said, babyface turn. Uh, the DIY reunion. So there's stuff going on. Naya getting beat up by like the other women. I think they're kind of starting to like put the pieces together. I think the shows have been more entertaining than they usually are in like this kind of fall era because usually football comes back and they just lay over. So I'm glad Raw like they have things building. They have things going on in most of the divisions that are like I said they had a great Intercontinental title match. The Drew Burn. Jay's rise, Cody. I feel like they've done well, kind of keeping people's attention. So I think the Drew thing's good, um, but like I said, it's kind of like the opposite. So you got the heel Drew with the rising of Jay Uso with Cody and the Judgment Day and Nia Jax and Rhea and Gunther and Adam Pierce, Chelsea Green, the whole thing. Yeah, no, they have a lot going on right now on Raw, and I think the Drew stuff is uh, amongst the best stuff that they're doing right now. And I think the execution has been great. It's not going to come out of nowhere, and the shock turns are fun too, but. When you add logic behind it and they tell a story there, it's even better. I think we're headed towards not only a War Games match, I think there's a very real possibility, and we'll get into it here, that Damien could walk out as the new World Heavyweight Champion, and we could be headed towards a War Games match at Survivor Series. Now, it would take a World Heavyweight title match off the show, but I think we could have a a Rollins, Rhodes, 
Owens-Zane-Jey Uso match against all of Judgment Day, J.D. McDonough, and, and not Rhea Ripley, but all of uh, the men members of Judgment Day, J.D. McDonough and Drew McIntyre. I think that's a very realistic outcome to this whole story they're telling right now. No, definitely. I think that's what we're kind of getting towards. Um, Less Rollins and Shinsuke, honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm over that, but I think, like I said, that, that babyface team's sexy to begin with, and then that heel team with Drew is, is, is great as well. So I think that's what we're getting here, and I assume it'll be at Survivor Series. Hey, it better be at Survivor Series and not, uh, not Crown Jewel, which uh, wouldn't be a bad show, but I think it would be better fitted at Survivor Series like it was last year with War Games. And it's not forced either, and we're not just doing War Games to be War Games. Like, it makes sense to do the match. Uh, for only five matches currently advertised for Fastlane. I'm assuming we're getting at least one more. Maybe two, but definitely one. There's no way they do a five-match card with no real gimmick matches. Like, we got a five-match card, I think, for Elimination Chamber, but we had two Chamber matches. I know we have a last-man standing match on the show, but still, I think we have at least one more match. The funny thing is that we already have three SmackDown matches, so would they add a fourth one is my question? I mean, maybe... Um, they're not defending the United States Championship. The tag team titles are already being defended. The women's and the, yeah, the women's titles being defended and Roman Reigns is not defending. So I'm not even really sure what the other addition would be. It might just be a five-match show. Listen, if the show's over in under three hours, I'm not complaining. But we'll start from the beginning here and work our way to the top. Uh, newly announced match on Monday Night Raw. The Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest defending the undisputed WWE tag team titles against Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso. Quite the uh, dynamic duo there. Do you think Rhodes and Uso take the title, or is that a Judgment Day retention here? Of course you make me answer this one first. Um, <laughs> I feel like if Cody and Jay won, they would just drop them immediately. But I feel like also if they drop them, then like I said, Priest could cash in and beat Rollins. I'm going to go with Uso and Cody. Wow, be okay. Nice. okay. Like I said, I feel like that could, like I said, they, they dropped the belts here. Um, Damien cashes in, and maybe in a couple weeks you get McDonough finally in the group, and him and Finn get the belts back somehow. Because mm-hmm. like I said, the judgment they need, like it's Rhea's rule, they need the belts, so they need the belts back. Maybe that's how you finally get JD in the group, mm-hmm. him and Finn. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Uso and Rhodes. Okay, I talked myself into it. <laughs> Bold prediction there. I'm going to stick with Judgment Day. Um, I'd be fine with Rhodes and Uso winning. I think they want to keep, in my opinion, probably. I mean, they could do what you said as well. Um, kind of take the belts off of them, get, get them back on Finn, this time with a different partner. That's possible, too. Um, I feel like they might want all the belts on Judgment Day come Survivor Series, which isn't for another month and a half, so they could work it your way as well. But I'm going to go Judgment Day, retain the titles here. Um, LWO against Bobby Lashley in the Street Profits. Now, listen, we already saw Escobar, or rather, Wild and Toro. I mean, actually, we saw both combinations. Wild and Toro, as well as uh, against Dawkins and Ford, as well as Mysterio and Escobar against Lashley, or rather, the Profits as well. So, I don't think it's Wild or Toro. I know they said, oh, any two members of LWO. Wild and Toro with Escobar, I mean, that's a fucking SmackDown match. I'm sorry. I mean, I've I've been liking the storyline here. But that's a SmackDown match. I feel like it's got to be Ray and Santos. To not put Ray in action in this match, to me, would be dumb. Um, and I think the whole reason why they lose is why there might be, you know, some tension there because they clearly feel like they're headed towards an Escobar-Ray rematch with Escobar turning heel. It didn't happen on Friday, but I think it's still coming at some point. And you can further tell that story here with the heels winning. But I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I tweeted this last week. My, I guess the obvious option would be 
Wilder Toro with Escobar. I'm not going to say that. I think it's going to be Ray Escobar and Dragon Lee. Because why else would Dragon Lee be on SmackDown this week? I mean, they could be promoting him to the main roster because he wasn't on Tuesday's NXT, I don't think. But I don't think they have that in mind right now. I'm going to say Dragon Lee teams with them. He's an honorary member of LWO or they just induct him into the group. Or as a bold, bold dark horse prediction, Carlito coming in, finally being used and being their partner. And he's the big mystery partner for this match. Uh, but I'm still picking Lashley and the Profits winning regardless. So who do you think the LWO consists of and what team do you think goes over? Um, I mean, I think it'd be Ray Santos and Dragon Lee. Like I said, I feel like that's he's just going to get in the group, lead to more dissension between Ray and Santos, and then you get the heel turn eventually. I mean, Carlito would be cool, but no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like I said, Dragon Lee beyond SmackDown, I feel like it makes sense. They'll get him in the group, and he'll cause more split between Santos and Ray because Ray's been putting over Dragon Lee, so he's going to be the next face of Lucha Libre. He gets Santos pissed. Yeah, it just makes sense. Yeah, no. It just makes sense. But I think yeah. Profits and, and, and Lashley win here. I feel like they have to. It's Bobby's first match in five months. It's a newly healed group, newly turned group. If you want to really give them momentum, they got to win here. And the whole story is that the Profits aren't, they lost their last match, so, and they don't want to disappoint Bobby. I feel like they have to win. Uh, triple threat for the WWE Women's Championship, EO Sky against Asuka and Charlotte. Uh, Kyrie Sane might be coming in soon, we saw. That's the rumor. I know we, we reported on that. That was the report a couple months ago. Uh, but it might actually be happening on the sooner side. The original timetable was always November. So, I mean, it's not like, oh, like with Carlito, I don't know why it's taking so long. With Kyrie Sane, I don't think she was ever supposed to come in before November anyway. Uh, I'll throw it to you first, though. Who do you think is walking out WWE Women's Champion, EO, Asuka, or Charlotte? I fucking hate you. Um, I'm going with EO. I mean, I think you keep the belt on her. I think it's way too soon to take it off her. I think you just do her. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that's where we go here. I don't want Charlotte to win it. No, thank you. Oscar just getting the belt back. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. I think EO's the only right choice. The only right choice. Charlotte getting the belt back would be dumb. Oscar getting the belt back would be dumb. I don't even want Bianca to beat EO for it. I don't know who beats EO for it, but it should not be them. And I think you can get to an EO Sky Kyrie Sane feud. I know, you know, God forbid it's not going to involve an established female like Charlotte or Asuka or Bianca, but I feel like that could be a great feud for the fall or the early winter or whatever with EO and Kyrie. Uh, so that to me, or, or EO and Bailey, we haven't gotten that split yet, but they got to pull the trigger on that first. EO just won the belt two months ago. She's had a couple successful title defenses on SmackDown. She should win here. Her losing again would be silly. Uh, John Cena and LA Knight with the Bloodline against the Bloodline. Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. I say the Bloodline, Jimmy Uso is not really part of the group. Um, I don't consider him part of the group. I know he's acting like it. They haven't said that he's part of the group. It's very confusing. Um, I think uh, C. Knight, John Cena, and L.A. Knight are going over here, as they should, building to L.A. Knight against, um, you know, Roman at some point. Maybe a crown jewel. I would hold off till Survivor Series of the Rumble because I'm hoping A.J. Styles comes back before then. He's not hurt. That's just a storyline thing. And he'll face Roman at whatever show, whether it be probably crown jewel or Survivor Series before LA Knight. But I think this is an easy slam dunk win for Cena and Knight here. What do you think? Yeah, I think the same. I, it's funny because it's like I, like I completely agree with you. I think Cena and Knight win. I do think Jimmy Uso needs to win more. I just feel like the difference between him and Jay is like, yeah, clearly Jay's over as a babyface and Jimmy's the heel. But I just also feel like Jay's just have been booked a lot better. Like, Jimmy loses constantly <laughs> like that's all he's done is lose so it's like i understand like i don't like i said i think cena knight win i mean 
I, I don't even I, I would bet my house on it. But I just don't like how they've been building Jimmy Uso. I feel like he's like still like a flunky in the bloodline. He like said he's not technically in the bloodline. But even since he's gone on his own, he just all he's done is lost. So, I mean, I guess he beat Carl Anderson last week. I mean, does that really mean anything? But I, I think they need to do a better job booking Jimmy. I just feel like he's just a flunky loser, not in the bloodline. Yeah, now they got to fix that shit. I think Jimmy takes the loss here. Roman gets pissed. He's back on SmackDown next week. This is all going to tie together. But, um, yeah, I think I think Cena and Knight win here. And then uh, Cena's still around for another month, so he might be so facing might Solo Sokoa soon, maybe in Saudi Arabia, we'll say. We get to the, what I assume is the main event, last man standing match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, this one a little less predictable than the last time. Seth Rollins defending against Shinsuke Nakamura. I mentioned the possibility of a of a cash-in here. That doesn't really have to do with this match, though. I don't think Nakamura wins and Priest cashes in on him. Um, I think Rollins retains regardless. I don't think we get a cash-in. I would like to see a cash-in with the whole back injury thing they're telling. I think it makes a lot of sense, though, because he goes through this grueling match. And Nakamura puts him through hell and loses, because, again, what else is new? And then Damien cashes in on that, and because if he doesn't cash in, he looks like a fucking idiot, because why wouldn't he cash in on an injured champion? And then brings all the gold to Judgment Day. Uh, I'm thinking Rollins retains, though. I'm not thinking we get a cash in, although I would love to see that actually happen, though. I think Rollins retains and Priest cashes in. Okay, that's your prediction? That's not a prediction. It's a spoiler, buddy. <laughs> to quote Paul Heyman himself, I love it. I'm looking forward to the pay-per-view on... I almost said Sunday. It's on Saturday. A lot of Saturday, Sunday shows. We'll talk about it here next week on Wrestle Rant Radio episode. I almost said, I don't. we're not on a number. We already surpassed 500. Uh, 10 years and one week anniversary uh, edition of Wrestle Rant Radio. Every single week, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Podbean, Amazon Music, Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single week in all the usual podcast platforms. Mr. Marceau, brother, what an amazing 10-year journey this has been. Uh, thank you so much for being a big part of the show and for uh, helping me create uh, the Wrestle Rant Radio, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to say an empire, but uh, an amazing journey <laughs> over the last 10 years, whatever this is, just us shooting the shit every single week. I uh, can't imagine doing the show without you, brother. No, yeah, it's been great, especially when you kicked me off for like a month. But yeah, besides that, it's been a good nine and a half years. Oh, yeah, to throw it in. I mean, you got to toss that in there, but... Uh, <laughs> No, it's been great. I love coming on every week talking to you, and it's 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 like I said, it's it's like bittersweet ten years. It sounds great, but then I just feel like an old bastard. But uh, it's been a great time, friendship, and it, it's great talking to you every week. Mr. Marceau, you've literally spent your entire twenties talking to me every single week about wrestling. Is your turn in the dirty thirty next month? I know. How bad do you think my brain's fried? <laughs> That is just, that's wild. I mean, I'm only a year younger than you, but still, that's, that's just fucking great. Like, specifically for you, you've spent this entire decade of your life from 20 to 30 talking about wrestling, which is wild every Tuesday and Thursday, sometimes with the bagel and the uh, and whatever that closet of a radio room was at Endicott College. But amazing. Leave the memories alone, they say, right? Seriously. We'll talk about it next week here on WrestleRant Radio, brother. Have a great weekend, and I'll catch you uh, next week here on the show, dude. Sounds good, man. See you later. Adios. Adios.